You are now listening to the Dream Loud Podcast. Join us as we explore the significance of following your dreams. We hope you'll enjoy the ride. Welcome, everyone, to a very special episode of the Dream Loud Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Benjamin Hall. Thank you for joining us once again. So <laughs> this is a very special episode because uh, we, we don't have Dan, we don't have Lee, we don't have Amanda, unfortunately. I'm hosting solo, but what we do have is the band is back in town. <laughs> the boys are back in town. Hey. Yeah. So let me introduce um, the rest of the group here to you guys. On my left, we've got Josh Sturm. Thanks for having me, Ben. Yeah. Thanks for having me to my house. <laughs> yeah, we're, reco- <laughs> we're, we're recording at Josh's house, but you're on my podcast. So yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> on Josh's left, we have our drummer extraordinaire. You may know him as Plickety Dunt on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> the one, the only Tommy G. Gaskin. What, what's your middle name? Charles. Tommy C. Gaskin. Tommy C. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome, man. Thank you. I'm glad to. I'm glad to finally have you on the show. I've been I'm, trying to get I'm both happy you guys to be on, on here. here. This is great for a while. I've been trying to get Josh on this for a long time. Ever since I started, <laughs> I'm hard to get a hold of. Yeah, I know. That's Even why I basically I brought all the gear over and just basically set it up and forced you to trapped me in my house. Trapped you. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, we have Tom's wife, Erica. On the show. Hello. Thanks for joining us, Erica. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's awesome. So yeah, guys, I kind of just wanted to talk about this show might be a little bit different than what you've heard before, but basically I just wanted us to all get around and talk about how we met each other and kind of maybe what we learned along the way. Some of the f- funny stories, mm-hmm. uh, just reminisce a little bit. Who met who first? <laughs> I met, I met Ben first. Me and Ben were friends before I met you because I heard about the elusive Tom. Yes. He moved from, where did he move from? <clears throat> Virginia. Charleston. Virginia. Like, you got to meet well, Tom. Well, I moved to Charleston to Virgin- to Richmond and then to Pittsburgh. Okay. I wonder if, I think I met Tom before I met you. That's possible. Th- that may have been because you were still in Texas. Yeah, I was. At the time. So, so we met first. We met first. And... That, that story is pretty miraculous how that happened. So in my old band, Big Atlantic, uh, we were starting from the ground up mm-hmm. and uh, Lee Caruso, the singer and guitar player, and I, we were driving down. Uh, we were meeting up with a mastering engineer. We had an appointment with him and also a a drum, like a drum producer. And we were driving down to Nashville, I think, to do both of those. And on the way, the GPS routed like a really strange route and it was going through Charleston, West Virginia, instead of the normal route south that it would go. And we were both talking about really strange routes. And then Lee realized, oh, hey, my old band Time and Distance lives right in Charleston here. Let's stop by and say hi to everybody. So that's where I wound up meeting you. You were just getting off your Mm -hmm. shift at Starbucks. Yep. I was a barista. And we had just finished recording our album, Gravity, too. So I was able to show you. Which is a great album, by the, the way. The tracks. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. 
The drums like sound amazing. Punk, driving. Yeah. And I love time. the way you play drums on that because you played it like a prog rock drummer on a pop rock album. <laughs> <laughs> I can believe that. I remember Rob Freeman being like, he was the producer on the album and him being like, there are more Tom fills in this song than in, than the last three albums that I've done co- co- collectively. Classic Tom. <laughs> Classic Tom. Well, it's in your name. You have to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tom, so wait, Tom, so Tom. Lee was in that band, Time and Distance? Mm, yeah. For a hot minute. That's I how never we knew that. We both uh, auditioned the same day. Oh, he was auditioning you. to be a yeah. guitar player, uh, a lead guitar. And then I was auditioning to be drummer. And yeah, we both got in like the day of, and that's, that's how we met. And I remember Lee and I kind of jamming during like off practice times with time and distance and being like, dude, there's something here, you know, like progressive rock versus the pop punk we were playing. It had to annoy the, like the rest of your, well, maybe not the rest of your band members, but the leader of that pop punk band, because I just imagine you guys are writing and recording these pop rock songs then you and Lee would get together and just play this like he bluesy prog stuff. Just like, <laughs> he was just like, his mind was just kind of blown. I, and, and I don't say that like he, he was kind of like that. He was just sort of like, I can't believe you guys are in my band. Yeah. That's cool. Type yeah. of thing. Lee's like the center of all this. Cause Lee is the one who brought me to Ben. Yes. I played in a band called Kairos in Pittsburgh and Lee was a friend, but he's also a fan of our band. Mm-hmm. He'd always come and encourage me. He's a ridiculous musician, like yeah. the best guitar player I know. And he'd come watch me play these shows and he'd be like, dude, how are you doing that? What, what are you? And I'm like, I'm really not doing that as much special <laughs> stuff. Like I can't play half the things you can play, but I'm, I was friends with Lee. Yeah. And then he's like, apparently this, I think this is the only time you're going to hear this. He, he heard Ben playing bass at Guitar Center. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, go and ahead. And he's like, who is this guy playing bass? Now, I think that's the only time that you hear someone playing Guitar Center and you're like, <laughs> I got to go check this out. This sounds cool. Yeah. Because usually much. it's just a free-for-all. Everybody playing as loud as they can, as fast as they can, as bad as they can, thinking everybody's listening to them. Well, Ben, you did it, buddy. I did it, man. You well, did it. I definitely want to go into... Thank you. I want to go into the background of that story later. Cause I think there's a good lesson in that, but yes, that is correct. That's how, and the crazy thing was, is that we, we grew up and lived, Lee and I, we grew up and lived like less than a seven minute drive away from each other and never met each other. Oh, that's funny. I didn't 20, know that. I think I met him when I was 23. That sounds right. 23. So 23 years of both of our lives. Well, we had grown up that far apart and never, especially like for good musicians, like you normally... Normally, like the cream, the cream rises to the top of the crop. (laughs) (laughs) Dairy doesn't have a lot. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, I'm saying that that's funny. (laughs) What are you saying, Ben? What I'm trying to say is that it tends to be that the people that are more serious about playing, they all kind of gravitate and as even in the Pittsburgh area, Especially in a small town though, in a small town, but yeah. like in the Pittsburgh area, like it's not a huge city and the city's kind of overwhelmed by the sports culture. Hmm. So I feel like the music scene's a lot smaller. Like everybody knows everybody else. And so it was really ironic and funny that we didn't know each other, uh, in, in that amount of time. But anyways, so yeah. Like so Lee, so Lee was the one who brought us all together. Thanks, Lee. And yeah, thanks, Lee. But Tom and Lee met because they had an, they found an ad on the internet. Yeah. For this that band. That Time and Distance band. Was, was, that, a Craigslist, was that a Craigslist ad? It was 
Well, actually, I think I found it in uh, Alternative Punk. Is that is that a forum? No, it was a website forum. Okay. Like AbsolutePunk.net or yeah. something. Some sort of website like that. Like, okay. And uh, kind of like Reverb Nation website. Have you heard of that one? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, and there was a forum. Like, and it was all, it was like classified ads, kind of like Craigslist. Yeah. Bands, you know. And Jeff Matakaitis, if you guys know him, he is amazing with PR. And their advertisement made it seem like they were Fallout Boy. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was like professional touring band, management, label, you know, the whole nine yards. It was just like, we've got a record contract. We're getting ready to record an album and we have tours booked nine months out of the year. And it was just like this, this amazing ad. And, and Lee and I were both kind of like tired of, uh, trying to start bands that kept falling apart because people would quit. And so we both had this idea separately, not knowing each other. We wanted to hop in something that was kind of already moving and yeah. maybe see if we could be a part of it. And uh, what happened was we ended up quitting that and joining our own band anyway and making yeah. one from the ground up. Yeah. So, um, Josh, I think the first time I met you, I think it was probably at church in Irwin. I think you guys were, were back to visit probably around this time of year. It's the the church that your parents used to go to. Oh, in Trafford. Yeah, I'm. I think I met you there. And the funny thing about that was, is so Lee introduced me to who you were musically through the Kairos album, which I love, <laughs> which is so great. And uh, I remember he also mentioned that you were married to Lacey. And I was yeah. like, I don't care about that. <laughs> I like, I want to be. Well, I didn't. At the same time, I didn't really know. I had heard of Flyleaf, but I didn't comprehend how big they were yeah. or like who they were or what their music even sounded like. I don't even know if I heard a Flyleaf song up until that point, but yeah. it was just, it's funny in retrospect that like, you know, Lee told me, you know, his, his wife is in this huge rock band. And I was like, I don't care. Like Kairos is amazing. So oh, I was my like, reputation precedes me. <laughs> I was fanboying for Kairos. I'm like, this is the guy that wrote <laughs> reshape, rethink <laughs> <laughs> or rethink, reshape. I forget. Yeah. Rethink, reshape. Re- yeah. Uh, Eric is going to make a comeback just so you know. What? Yes. Yeah. What? I saw Excited. something happening on Facebook yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Oh. Making a comeback. Oh, that's exciting. This is an original exciting. lineup? What's the... Uh, me and my brother for sure. Because it's been that way since high school. Yeah. Um, definitely haven't been on bass. Oh, cool. I'm, I'm a part of this. <laughs> so here's your, here's your welcome. Thank you. This is exciting. And the drums are undetermined yet. So Tom, if you're available. Yeah, well, definitely interested. That's awesome. I mean, you heard it here, folks. Yeah. Amazing. I, I love Lacey, but I am a sucker I, I mean, for that that Cairo sound. <laughs> I remember when uh, the rethink. Re, you guys never released it, right? That was no, no, no. That's the second EP you're talking about. Okay, the one that you were working on that didn't get released. Yeah, I have all of the individual tracks <laughs> separately somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have Brief. them. You mean you have the you have the stems? Yeah, so I can't listen to the actual song. I've got like just Jason's. play them in order, and you'll get an idea of what it's like. Exactly, Tom. I did that on purpose so you could work on your mixing skills. Yeah, so you have to it's like, mix it's it like first IKEA. to it. IKEA. They just give you the elements. That. It's up to you to put it together. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, so that that's where I had met you, and I think that I think Lacey was super pregnant, <laughs> most likely. Yeah. And I think that that was also funny. So the first time that I had hung out with you was you came over with uh, your brother, Jason, and 
Lacey because we were, you were pre-pro, you were doing pre-pro on the new Cairo stuff. And it was so funny because at that point I found out who Lacey was because I looked up the yeah. All Around Me video and I was like, this video has like 15 million views. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. So then like I got like slightly starstruck with her. I was like, wow, this person's really famous. But like, I didn't want to like <laughs> make it seem obvious. So Isn't that weird though? Like how can you get starstruck when you don't, don't yeah. know her history, but you just find it out? Yeah. It, it's, I don't know. It's it just really happens. Th- yeah. Maybe, I mean, is it a part of our culture where we're just kind of trained to like look at celebrities this way and change our attitude? I don't know. Like what if you found out I had a YouTube channel with like 15 million followers and I'm a really big deal? Yeah. Would you look at me different, Ben? Well, not that I, not because I know you now, (laughs) (laughs) but I think that like, trick question, you know, I think if I didn't have like a a friendship with you, I probably would. I mean, you can't help it. It's almost like you in your head, you, you rethink like, wow, am I not seeing something about this person that everybody else is like, maybe I should really check myself. Yeah. Check myself. Or, you know, there, there are other people in the world that don't have the most honest intentions and they're like, well, what can this person do for me then? Yeah. Yeah. What's funny about Lacey is that she prefers it to be the first way where you're don't know who she is. Yeah. That's how I met Lacey. I was very helpful. Yeah, I have people who come up to me. They're like, I, I just need to apologize because I honestly, I didn't know who your wife was until I looked her up. And I, she probably is just like so offended that I didn't know who she was. <laughs> and she's like this famous Aww. person. And I'm like, actually, she'd be offended. Like if she knew that you knew who she was and we're like yeah. acting different. Like she likes to know that people just like her for yeah. who she is and not what she's done. Mm. I think it's better. I think it's better that way too, because um, <laughs> should I tell the the shinedown story i don't know the shinedown story yeah, oh yeah you do it's from that festival that Go we did for in it. texas oh yes yeah it's so it. good i think it's, it's a good, good one i need to send it i'll send it to eric too i'll be like you need to listen to this but <laughs> <laughs> it's so good uh do you remember what it bfg was a, it was bfg radio festival yep in dallas yeah and uh shinedown was headlining it and we were we were one of the first bands to play i think we were like second or third or yeah. something like that <laughs> by the way it was the worst worst live show we've ever played in our lives <laughs> yeah i agree i mean <laughs> Josh and I, we got off stage and we, you know, consoled each other. And then we went to, um, go we lick went, our wounds. Yeah. We went to the catering area and we both sat down over a cup of uh, Greek yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> so pathetic. But you know, after that, like I was just so embarrassed. Like I couldn't, I couldn't hear my bass and my headphones and I knew I made it like a ton of mistakes and like, it just didn't feel good to be up on stage, you know, feeling like everybody's staring at you. Um, but you know, right after that, we're kind of walking through the artist area and these two guys come up to us and they're like, wow, guys, like you're three guys. It was three of them. I just remember no, 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 two. You're right too. Yeah. I just remember the two. And, uh, they're like, dudes, like that was, that was amazing. Like your bass tone. If that's, if that's what we have to follow up, like, I, I don't know what we're going to, I don't know what we're going to do about that. I'm like, holy smokes. And, and they said, did they mention your guitar tone too? Yeah. I mean, I was really focused because yeah. he mentioned my bass and I was like, wow, that's so cool. And I, I think what I said to Josh right after that was, man, that was so nice of those guys. Do you have any idea who they are? Because <laughs> like I knew that they were artists cause they were back in that area, but like, yeah. and I assumed they were playing after us, but I didn't know who they were. And then go ahead. 
Yeah. So, I mean, so Zach Myers, the guitar player from Shinedown, was like a huge <laughs> inspiration for me. I heard him playing at the um, Carnival Chaos or tour or something like that. And his guitar tone was amazing. And yeah. I'm like, dude, what's he using? And I'm like, he's using an Axe FX. I got to get one of those. So like my goal since that day was to sound as good as Zach sounded. Wow. So to have him come up to me after the show and say, dude, what amp are you using? It sounded amazing. I was like, are you serious? I'm only using this because you used it. Yeah. And then, and then after like I'm I'm floating on cloud nine, Ben's like that was cool. Who are those guys? <laughs> I'm like thanks for not saying that when they were oh, there. Yeah. At least I had that much tact where I, I knew that it probably was somebody really important and I shouldn't open my mouth. But you know, <laughs> good move. Yeah, thanks. But that proves once again like I took it as a compliment from either my peers or just fans or strangers. And yeah. Like it, it made it easier not to get starstruck. If yeah. I probably if I knew who they were, I probably would have been. Yeah. A lot more awkward. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But either way, um, so yeah, that goes back to, I was talking about, yeah, we were talking about how we met. And also I, I remember there's a very famous photo um, from uh, that, that hangout time that we had in, in Lee's grandma's basement. That's where we were doing the pre-pro. Like, I think you guys hung out there all day and like worked yeah. on guitar or something yeah. like that. I don't know if you've seen that picture or not, but it's of me and you standing next to each other and I'm eating a yogurt once again. That must be my thing. I'm like always, I'm like always eating yogurt in every every picture and you're wearing like the smallest t-shirt I've ever yeah, seen. I think, I think my midriff was hanging out in that picture. <laughs> it, somehow it's around the internet. It's on Facebook. When you like type so. in Josh Sturm, it's like the first picture that comes up. <laughs> you've seen the meme. It's like profile picture versus tagged picture. Yeah. Classic case. So funny. I guess I, I'll go in. Well, no, go ahead. We'll I, was say, I think it'd be cool to talk about how the band started because I feel like we kind of, I, when none of it was planned is, at least when I remembered, I didn't feel like none of it was planned because like we were all playing in different bands, you know, mm -hmm. like you was, were doing this, Tom was doing this, right. I'm mm -hmm. doing this. And it was like, Lacey was doing that. All four of us were in different bands. It's just so right. strange yeah. how we ended up together. Yeah, it was. It was definitely not planned. No, it was not planned at all. I, Rock the Fort was amazing. I remember Tom and I talking about it and like, being like, no, it's okay if you, you know, do this because you're. It's not going to be anything. <laughs> you know, it was like this. Yeah. Like, it wasn't. No, yeah. no. Was, I remember. I remember even uh, going up to to Lee and 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 whoever else. I think Jimmy, just being like, hey, are you guys cool with this? If I, you know, just mm -hmm. do a couple things. Mm -hmm. They were like, yeah, dude. I think the first thing we did, if I remember correctly, was Lacey got asked to do two songs for the Billy Graham album. My hope. Yes. Uh -huh. And we were going to record two songs and I needed a band. It was just me and her, but they wanted a full band version of the two songs or at least the reason. Mm -hmm. And so I remember saying, well, Ben and Tom are like the best drummer and bass yeah. player that I know of. Well, so thanks, I'm going to see if they're available to do it. And I think yeah. I asked you guys to do that. Was that before the Rock the Fort? The reason when we drove down to Nashville to record with Pete Kipley? I, I want to say it was after, but it was really close to the same time. I thought the Rock the Fort was the very first thing that we did. It might have been. It, it was. I I think because we got because the practice space yeah. in that warehouse. It was like a dungeon. It was like a dungeon. <laughs> it was worse than a dungeon. Warehouse <laughs> type thing. It was amazing. And there was a ton of other bands practicing. And that was the first time we had ever played together. Yeah. Uh, with, the, with, with the idea or notion that we were about to do a show. And I remember we just sort of... I remember Lacey being like, you know, let's just worship and sort of play whatever yeah. and be free. 
for yeah. a minute. And that was like a rare thing for me and you at the time because mm-hmm. we had very strict like uh, practice schedules. Practice schedules that were very to the T and very rigorous at the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so that always, was like, that was kind of free. We always had an agenda. We always had an agenda. And this was like no agenda. I'm like, wow. And yeah, I remember we all felt like the Holy Spirit, at least for me personally, I definitely felt this this presence of the Holy Spirit in that room so thick and there was just so much joy and there was something happening and we were just playing instruments. I don't even think we had vocals at the time. I think she was there. I, she might have been singing. I'm not sure. But yeah, it was really like amazing. I remember that. I do remember actually what happened with the vocals. This is, I love this because Lacey's sold several million albums, toured the world. Yeah. We were definitely using what I think was a PV bass amp to sing the vocals out of. Oh, that's right. I didn't have a PA system and I'm like, how are we going to hear the vocals? And so we, yeah. we did like the total garage band, yep. PV bass amp, yeah. putting vocals through it. Mm-hmm. And then we actually bought something decent after I remember that. You, but, yeah. You were like, I got to go get a PA. I, I can't, I can't well, do that's what. That's the great thing about how that started was because it felt like a high school garage band yeah the way that yeah. it started and she loved it she was feeding off that because her whole career was like you know everything's so lavish and this and that everything's taken care of it was cool for her to go back to that garage band mentality mm-hmm. well, i remember her That's even awesome. saying about like it also it's also because of tom and i's background because you know me um me with just my inspiration from Flea and the Chili Peppers and and other bands like Incubus that are just very uh, free flowing, a lot of improv type of stuff. Yeah. And Tom's the same way. Like we we love to do the spontaneous jam stuff. And I remember Lacey talking about, you know, Flyleaf was at the point where they wouldn't even run songs in practice until they had already like rehearsed them rigorously at home. Yeah, yeah, like for they're sure. Not, they're not gonna like just jam something. So I know that that was very uh, freeing for her. To yeah. like have to have two guys that are just like, hey, you know, whatever. You let's know, just jam. Let's just do it. So she loved it for sure. Oh, <laughs> she so still good. does love it. Still pushes us to the limits. And then I remember, of our yes. <laughs> yeah. Can we just freestyle a song live in front of everyone everywhere we go? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you those guys love it. It stresses me out. <laughs> I know, and you've done a great job. I try to. It was awesome. But I remember um, our manager JW asked me and Lacey. Hey, I need a band for this event. It's for the troops. It's a private event. It's basically these guys have been in boot camp for five months. They haven't had no music, no entertainment, no nothing. This is like their graduation, like celebration ceremony. Yeah. And we want to get a band in there. Do you think you can find some guys and do like a rock set? Yeah. You know, put a band together. And I was like, <laughs> um, well, again, Ben and Tom are probably the best bass and drum, you know, I yeah. can think of. And I'm like, let me talk to them. And I was like, actually, you know what? Before I talk to them, let me talk to Lee because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to steal his his his, his members of his band, yeah. you know, or, or cause any issues. And so I actually called him to make sure it was okay first. And then he said it was cool. So I was like, let's do this. Yeah. And then we practiced. That was an awesome show, by the way. It was, it was 5,000 troops. Dude, going. so hyper. Like, yeah. just going crazy. That was... Jumping and we opened with the Star Spangled Banner. Yeah. We like, yeah. yeah. Back of the it day. was pretty epic. It was I a great that. first show. It and actually the name, show. if you YouTube, uh, we put it up obscurely, but it was FTLOG, the original, mm-hmm. not the original name, but like we just had to come up with the name and it was called For the Love of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love how they intro us to the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The band Lacey. 
Yikes. Yeah. yeah. And for the love of God, this is what they mentioned oh, after yeah. that. It was like we were her backing band. <laughs> for the love of God. But, but do you remember the conversation whenever we were um, out to dinner with uh, for Erica's birthday? We were talking outside about naming it, naming a band if we ever had a band. Yeah, for fun. All right, that was the original band name, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Because fun was taken. <laughs> oh, was. Look that up. No, well, the you know fun, the band, the band I fun. I don't know the band. They were fun. pretty big for a while. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but I remember talking outside, like, wouldn't that be fun to just do a band again? Like we just call it for fun, you know? Yeah. No, no agenda, no label, no nothing. Let's just play music again. Like again, that garage band mentality. Yeah. Let's just call it for fun. I was like, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it does. Cause I think we were, a lot of us were burned out or stressed for trying to make it, trying to practice, rehearse, book show. You know what I mean? It was just like, well, I was a little, I mean, I had not been at it nearly as long as either you guys, but especially Tom. Like, I feel like you, you had been grinding for a while and like that band Big Atlantic pretty much had the best instrumentalist collectively that I've ever played with. Yes. Like, you know, even our keyboardist like had perfect pitch <laughs> and, and classically trained. Yeah. Like he is just a sick keyboardist and really good guitar player too. And like when I realized that ultimately not, not the direction that I wanted to head. And so I just kind of felt like well, if this, if this isn't going to work out, then what possibly could, like, I'm not Mm going to find better musicians than this. So I kind of had given up on that and not in a sad way though. I just was like, you know, I tried and, and that's fine. And, you know, now I'll just be a chemist (laughs) (laughs) and a worship leader for this youth group. There you go. I'll just do both of those things and it'll be fun. So. That's funny because like I've sort of had the same story where I was like I was playing with Kairos. Yeah, I want to hear your story. By the way, I wanted I wanted to get into that because well, I don't just, think I mean, I've heard the the end of it because it just goes along with what you said. Like yeah. I just we tried really hard. I think we said it like if we don't make it in two years, we'll just call it quits because like surely two years is enough time to right. to quote unquote make it. Which I don't even know what that meant at the time. It was like maybe getting a record deal or going on tour. Yeah, but like I just remember. It just wasn't working out. People mm-hmm. are quitting the band. And I'm like, the music's really good. I really love this stuff. You know, maybe I'm biased, but I just think it's really good. And it's just not taking off. And I just got to that frustrated place too of like, well, I guess I'm just supposed to play guitar at church, you know, yeah, <laughs> once a month or something like that. But like wanting, just having such passion for music and performance, not just music, but writing and performing, you know, yeah. it's just like, I'm like, I need that outlet in my life, but I just can't get it. Yeah, you, you know, can't. and even Sunday morning or wherever, other places like that, you can't jump off your amp and headbang and spit on your drummer if you want to. <laughs> not appropriate. Right. Or sp- spit on your bass player's pedal board. I, I just need to do that. I'm sorry. It's something in me yes. happens. It's like yes. war. I'm in spit battle. happens. Yes, exactly. exactly. how you feel. Spit happens. But like, spit after happens. having it not work, <laughs> after having it not work out so many times, you know, and just like when I felt like we were just so close, I just finally gave it up. I just kind of shrugged my shoulders like, all right, I'm done. I don't even enjoy music anymore. I want nothing to do with music. I could care less to tour. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm over this. Yeah. And that's when the band started. And we like actually started touring and like doing really big stuff. I'm like, what in the world? Like it's- With Kairos? No, no. Sorry. Oh, with with, with yeah. Lacey's, you know, with the new band. Yeah. It was like just when I gave all that stuff up and said, okay, mm-hmm. I guess I'll be a chemist. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I guess I'll just do this. We all get to that place in our life where we just want to be a chemist. I can't be a chemist. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, but actually I, mean, I was like, I'll be a plumber. The, the thing is too, I, I want our listeners to know it wasn't just like- uh, it, at least for you, Josh, like 
it wasn't an arbitrary, like, we gave it a best shot. Like, you guys won a competition and opened for Bon Jovi. Yeah, that's right. So, like, in front of tens of thousands of people. And, like, that's a pretty... I would have felt like, wow, I made it. Yeah. Like we definitely have gotten the recognition that we need to kickstart our career. And yeah. I think it was Jason was telling me, your brother, that um, like, you know, you're all stoked. And the very next gig that you play is like seven 30, people, 31st street pub. And there's like seven, seven people. That's exactly what it was. That's <laughs> that, <laughs> honestly, this, that story right there is like the, I think of that all the time. Yeah. Cause it was like, okay, we just played what the time was the Mellon arena or the civic arena. I'm yeah. like, mm-hmm. it doesn't get any bigger than this. Like, this is great. This is it. This is the beginning. Mm-hmm. And the next show is just like, are you kidding me? Like, we were on stage with Bon Jovi. I don't think you guys know that. Do you realize? <laughs> yeah. But it was this sobering reality of no matter how big the event is or what it is, like, and we actually took that and we used it, you know, in a good way. It wasn't like we were yeah. bummed or felt like we deserved it. But like, I say this all the time, but it's like, you know, people ask, what do you do after the show? Like, it must be crazy. You know, like, what do you guys do after the show? I'm like, well, usually we look to see if, you know, the shower's open or if there is a shower and <laughs> showers are, are golden on tour, man. Check your email. Oh, said, that sounds a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope not. I hope they are not. <laughs> Where are you showering? <laughs> oh, gosh. oh, I love it. I love it. That's why I love doing these podcasts because you never know what's going to come out. That was, <laughs> that was, that was a good one. Ben, are you in there? That was a good one. We were talking about Dumb and Dumber. The scene on Dumb and Dumber where he's in the stall at the gas station and he notices the phone number and they kick the door in. Oh, yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah. Anyway, um, what was I saying, Ben? No, but that idea is just like, I sell it to people all the time who are like trying to make it, whether it's music or Mm -hmm. whatever it is they're kind of going for. I'm like, you just get this point where like, okay, guess what, guys? We won a Grammy last night. You know, that was awesome. Can you believe it? We won a Grammy for our new album. This is amazing. Uh, what do you guys want to do for dinner? <laughs> what next? It's, it's just that fast. It's literally that yeah. fast. Like the, the buzz or whatever it is that was fueling you to get to that place wears off so quickly and you're left with, why am I doing this again? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, on top of that too, like it's just the nature of the industry in general, like, and anything in the arts. So movies, music, a- entertainment in general, it's just built, it's built in this way that like, you have these big, these really big highs and if you spend too long celebrating them, like you, you miss, hmm. you miss your next opportunity. It's like, you've got to be able to like that balance is, is really hard to find. I can't, I can't say that I've found it, but just balancing, like celebrating enough so that you're not constantly only looking for the next thing. Cause then you're, you're not being present. You're not living in the moment. You're not enjoying What's happening. But if you enjoy too much, then like life can pass you by. Yeah. Yeah. I get frustrated with Lacey on this because like I personally like to reflect on not like successes, but things that we did good. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? To say, okay, that was great. Let's do this again. Or this didn't go well. Let's not do that again. But Lacey's such a present person. She'll never like talk about, man, that was a really good tour. You know, I I feel like we had a really good team. You know, we played really well. We, in this, you know, I'm always looking for that affirmation of something that was good, but she's always focused on not, and not even once on next. She's like, well, what's going on today in front of me right now? Yeah. I'm like, I just need to talk about something that went really good (laughs) to know that we did okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's, I can hear that. I know that, I mean, I naturally struggle with that because when I'm working on a song in my studio and I think it's really awesome, like I'll have 
probably a half hour dance party. You know, I just want to rock out to my song. Yeah, invite me over for that. I will, man. We'll we'll come over sometime and we'll we'll write a song you and then dance time. to it. I will validate <laughs> and affirm. And the. <laughs> The hard thing about that is like, as much as I want to like stay in that moment because it feels really good, like if, if you can't move on from that, then you're only moving backwards. Yeah. So I have a really hard time like letting go of those like small little victories and, and turning that into fuel to propel forward. Sometimes yeah. I want to stay in those. Yeah. That's interesting. The small little victories. Wasn't there that <laughs> saying in the industry, like you're only as good as your last hit or single oh, or yeah. whatever? You're only as good as your last trick. Uh, I know Brent said that on our sign down tour. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was that part of his speech every night? No, he was just saying that when I missed that. introduced him to me. Oh, I missed Lacey's that. Lacey's manager. Yeah. And he just sort of randomly said it. That's interesting. And it may, it makes sense. You know, like you kind of like what we're talking about, right? Like what you just said, you kind of, you know, as good as your last trick, you have to keep pushing forward. Yeah. Like you said, you can't kind of sit and do a dance party forever. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You have to, even though you might want to. Yeah. Because like you're super excited about what you just did. I think that that's also the downfall of the entertainment industry. That's Mm, why people get burned out. That's why people get suicidal or drug, you know, addiction or overdoses because it's like, you know, if your album's doing really well, they want you to be on tour. And if your tour is doing really want you doing really well, they want you to keep touring. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, when does it ever end? Like every single artist has the exact same story about Yeah. I just I you know, Justin Bieber, I totally respect him for canceling his Yeah. The purpose tour. Yeah. Like to know how many people that affects when you cancel even one show, let alone the rest of your tour. Yeah. It can it's a really hard thing to do. So like the fact that he did that to take like a mental break or whatever it was for him. I just respect that so much because it's like, until we hear the story of someone who committed suicide or like had a complete meltdown, right. You know, it's too right. late by that yeah. point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he was at least had enough foresight enough. to say, I need to, I need to rest right now. So good. Yeah. And I think that goes along with, I mean, that can be applied to any area of life that like success means something to people in their minds. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. So me specifically success to me would be like being full-time, in my studio. Um, not just that, but like maybe touring full time, like just doing music and being able to make a good living off of it. But you only think about like the, the ups of that, like to get to that level requires to take on so much more responsibility. Even if I don't have any employees, I have to be responsible to meeting deadlines for clients then. And you don't, you don't think about like the level of risk of responsibility that you have to have and just discipline to stick mm-hmm. to that. It just get, it keeps getting higher and higher. So like there's, that can be really overwhelming to handle. Like what you're talking about with Justin Bieber, you know? Yeah. I think with like, with any career or industry, anywhere where we look and we're like, oh man, look at them, they're at the top. Mm-hmm. We all have these goals for ourselves and whatever we want to do or these dreams and whatever we want to do. And we get, when you get to them, it, it's good for a bit, but you're still just a person. And like, we were watching a TED talk on this Harvard study. It was like the longest Harvard study in history, like 75 years in and counting, following people's lives and what they're finding truly brings happiness from like, like a really broad spectrum. Yeah. Interesting. And they look at their health and their relationships and they started when these people were I think 19, they were or like in their late teens. Uh-huh. 
and they they've come to the end and the people that are the healthiest and the happiness happiest are the people who invested in relationships mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think we can really find new and fulfilling senses of joy consistently when we're investing in relationships but when you're like of course we all want to follow our dreams but we have to keep in perspective that when you get there you're still I heard this one thing like you still have to live with yourself you know like <laughs> that's a really great point and yeah. You know, like I remember being a teenager and being like, if only I could stand backstage while these huge bands play (laughs) and like this, I mean, that would be the most incredible, my life would be made, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember standing side stage while Disturbed played, headlining a festival a couple years ago. And part of me being like, this is so incredible. And part of me being like, this would sound so much better if I was out front. <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. so true. <laughs> it is very true. It's all you hear is mostly drums. Yeah, you can't. You almost don't hear the vocals Which at I all. I love. Yeah, <laughs> of course. It's the best place for a drummer to be. Yeah, but it's just interesting how now anything short of like this might sound really bad, but anything short of like VIP access to like a music event feels really strange sometimes I have to like check myself like when I'm in line or like <laughs> what do you mean I can't get on stage I mean it sounds really uh, pathetic but really just long. to say that you can get used to anything like yeah it's yeah. true you can get used it's to anything true, for sure. yeah but anyway I love that though that you have to you know you you still live with yourself you mm-hmm. know you get to wherever you want to be let's say you know you set goals for yourself you get there okay what's my next goal yeah because mm-hmm. it's not the ultimate fulfilling thing. And I, th- and I think for all of us at this table, our faith and our relationship in God is what fills that, um, which uh, some people have and some people don't. And, and that is such an important piece of our life is walking out our faith and um, keeping, keeping the playing field level, knowing that um, that relationship with God is, is ultimately driving uh, our, our decisions every day. Yeah. I think in general, as you're talking about that, I'm kind of processing through those thoughts of like just relationships and, and having an anchor of types. So whether that's, whether that's belief in God or even like your, your anchor to your family, like especially in an entertainment industry type of thing, like the highs, the highs and the lows are so exaggerated from, more normal careers because the there's not really routine with them. There's on tour, which is like super high. And then there's, you come back home and it's like a super, it's a super low. Yeah. Um, kind of like a drug in a way, like you have those, those ups and downs, mm. but the connection to people and relationships, that is, that can be more of, and like spirituality, like a connection to God, those yeah. things are more stable. They're more level. Like even though relationships can get crazy at times and like nobody's perfect, they have a tendency to be more even keel. Like yeah. you build those things over time and they're more gentle. I think, so in that sense, it makes it makes sense that the happiest people have more of those relationships in their lives because they're more, they're more steady. And they're mm-hmm. healthy. I think healthy it's, a really, it's a really good point you made. 
you know, I feel like Lacey and I, like, this is my Solomon writing the book of Ecclesiastes moment of like, mm-hmm. I've, I've lived my whole life. I've experienced <laughs> everything in life. And this is what I have to say. But like, I mean, that is like Eric was saying about relationships, you know, I was fortunate to live vicariously through Lacey's career of like the highest high, you know what I mean? Of doing, doing tours and stuff like that of where I wanted to be. And then like coming back and the thing like Ben said is that it was just that consistent. What was, what was important was relationships. You know, think about it. If you're watching a sunrise, you want someone to be there with you, right? Mm, yeah. It's never as enjoyable when you're by yourself. No. You know, mm. or you're like, oh, this thing's amazing. Who can I share it with? It's like the first yes. thing you think of is yes. who can I ex- let experience this with me? Cause by myself, it's just me, you know, Amen. but like whenever we set out to do this new project, Lacey Sturm is like, we said, if we're going to do this again, cause we had no interest in doing music or being part of the industry again, Yeah. if we're going to do this again, we're going to do it based out of relationship. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's, that's our standard, you know, so it important. has to be ba- our manager. Every single person on our team isn't somebody we just hire. It's a relationship, you know, because that's, that's what we saw. Like having done all that stuff and seeing what was good, what was bad. The one thing that was consistent was relationship. And that's what was, that's what was rewarding. That's what made everything worth it. And that's what the fuel was, was that relationship with God, but also like you said, relationship with friends and family. And so, but it's a, it's a two edged sword as well. Cause like, you know, we talked about burning out or doing things out of relationship. And so like if Lacey and I feel like our family's in jeopardy and we're just, we need to get our relationship right in our marriage mm-hmm. or like counseling, or we need to get a relationship with God, right. Then we need to go home and be off tour when you're on, well, not on tour, you're not making money, you know? Right. So it's like, it's, it's hard decisions to make, but they're definitely the right decisions. Do you think that's uh so for our listeners, <clears throat> Would you recommend that as a good business model for any business? Or do you think that's more a specific thing to certain people? I mean, off the cuff, I'd say yes, because I think that that's the most important thing of life. And, you know, yeah. and I think that authenticity is something that people are finally starting to understand is really important no matter what the business is. Because mm-hmm. um, people can see through being fake a mile away, whether it's a singer or, you know, even an employee at Chipotle. I can tell if they're, uh, my biggest gripe is, uh, welcome to Moe's. Hey, welcome to Moe's. It's like, dude, welcome if you don't feel Mo's. like saying it, don't say it. Right. I don't feel welcomed. Hey, I didn't but, hear you say it. <laughs> but I do. I do think that's a, you know, something that every business should employ is because it's like, it makes you want to work harder. It makes you want to do a better job. It makes you, um, care and think about things. Yeah. Otherwise you're just putting in time and trying to collect a paycheck and it's just like, Quote Mike Bickle says, lovers outwork workers. Love it. You know, it's like you get burned out on working, but if you love people, you'll never be burned out. Yeah. So good. So good. Did that answer your question? It did. I thought it was a really good answer. Um, I was thinking, you know, I think all of our stories revolve around like getting into, I guess, so advice for our listeners that maybe have aspirations to be, have a music career or do whatever it is that they want to do, whatever, whatever your dream is. Um, I know that for me, for Tom, for Josh, Erica, I'm sure you can, you can weigh in on this too, but I'm sure it's the same, but like where we are, you know, playing with Lacey for all of us was totally, it seems like such a by chance thing but it was all kind of out of the relationships that we already made. Like you, you mentioned it already, but just saying all the people that you work with, 
you didn't like do open auditions. There were people that you already knew. Oh yeah. And, um, you know, I was led into, I guess I'll get into, I want to talk about like the very beginning of my story a little bit back, maybe slightly before, uh, where Lee met me at the guitar center, <laughs> the bass off. <laughs> Cause I think it's important to hear those interest stories and maybe we can go around the table and, and tell all of them because I think they're all, I know a little bit at least of each person's and I think they're really unique and helpful. Um, but for me, like I was, so I have a chemistry degree. I think I've mentioned that on the show a few times. And uh, when I got my first job in industry, I realized very quickly, I think I was a month into the job and I just realized I can't do this for another 40 years. Like <laughs> I just knew that like the type of work it was, was not suited to me as an individual. And that goes into a whole other topic of, you know, the academic system needs to be revamped majorly, but uh, I'll get off my soapbox for that, for this episode. Uh, but what I, the experience of learning in college was n completely different than the experience of working in the degree that I got. So it was a shock to my system. And I realized, I didn't realize until that point that, man, I, I have been putting off being serious about music until this point, but now, now I have to, because I realize this is a part of me. Like you said earlier, I need this expression in my life. I need to do something. So, uh, I knew nobody that was in the music industry. So I just started looking on Google. I would type in searches, bands looking for bass player, like <laughs> literally just shots in the dark. And <laughs> I called so many people that uh, like a couple were so shady. Like I heard back from this band in Chicago and they could barely speak English. And they're like, oh yeah, come on out to this, come on out to this warehouse to do like a, a you know, a bass aud audition. And I look up the place, like it, it just looks like it's in the heart of Chicago. I'm like, <laughs> nope. Yeah. I'm like, they could totally mug me. Like, I don't know these guys <laughs> at all. Like their music sounded decent on MySpace Cause that's what people posted their music on back then. <laughs> yeah. And so like, I went through a few of those and went through a few like managers calling me and they're like, well, do you play five string bass? And you know, I'm like, well, just because you asked that question, I know that you know nothing about <laughs> playing bass, but you know, just kind of hitting those walls over and over again. And then, you know, randomly I go to guitar center. I'm like, if I want to take my craft seriously, I need to buy a serious instrument. Uh, so I'm trying out this Ernie Ball music man and just cranking on it for like an hour in guitar center. And that's nice. when Lee walked up to me and like, I, I, me I met him in person. I met him through like this very natural, organic way that people used to meet before the internet. Yeah. And you in know, that, person. yeah, that set me off on this journey where, you know, we met Tom, we invited him to join our band and like he introduced me to you and lo, 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 and, lo and behold, um, like we all wind up playing together later because of those relationships that we built because we lived together in Pittsburgh and yeah. just built together slowly. So, um, I think, I think, just the main point I want to make with that is, well, one, if you want to do something, just start doing it. And two, like it's, you don't really have to have, uh, you don't really have to have a, a connection to like start doing those things. Like it's like, as you, as you begin like following your dreams, like 
keep an open mind, be friendly to everybody. Yeah. You don't know what relationships will yeah. blossom and what doors might open for you, for you in that yeah. way. That's good advice, Ben. Well, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> People do ask a lot. What's the recipe? Like, what did, how did you get here? You yeah. know, how you do it. And there's obviously no right answer for that. It could be anything, you know, yeah. while I was playing at Guitar Center and this guy heard me, you know what I mean? Or like Flyley's big break was cause they, um, they were playing at, I think noon, it was like lunchtime. They played Austin <laughs> city limits. They got the 12 o'clock slot, which is like before even like the day <laughs> even started, you know, nobody's even awake yet. They played the show for, I think, the guitar player's mom, the sound guy, and <laughs> the bartenders. You yeah. know what I mean? And someone just happened to be walking by who was like a, a lawyer and heard them. And, you know, two weeks later, they're on tour with Evanescence. Like one of those stories. Wow. It's like, really? There's no way to make any of this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's no it's way awesome. to make this happen. You can't make this up. I just, I just know so many bands who have such a hard work ethic. And they... I feel like they think they're going to make it because they're hard workers. And I, coming from a blue car family, I absolutely believe in hard work. Yeah. But hard work will not get you famous or get your band big the same way that being really, really good at your instrument won't. Those things absolutely can help, Mm -hmm. but they're definitely not badges that will help you get to that place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, there's so many musicians who are amazing, but they never, they never make it. Same way there's bands who are really creative about how they advertise themselves and their live show and this and that, but they never leave the bar scene. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, to steal some words that I've heard you say, Josh. Go on. Just because <laughs> I feel like you have said this before. So um, I'll just mention it again here. But something along the lines of um, when you're when you have like a strong desire to do something like play in a famous band and your mind's so set on like, I'm not going to do anything else except this because honestly, like we kind of grew, we grew up on these VH1 like stories like this, mm-hmm. like Alice in Chains. Behind the music, right. you know, MTV countdown. All of these big bands had that attitude of like, I don't know what else I'm going to do. So I'm just going to do music. And yeah. and you see the stories that it works out. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and you think that like, well, that's, that's the formula, but yeah, I think it's, a lot, a lot more true, truer than that is, uh, you work, you work hard at, you work hard at something, but hold that thing really loosely because you don't know if that thing is actually going to take off for you or not. And to continuously hold on and, and keep holding on whenever doors just keep slamming shut. I just feel like there's so many times in life where maybe a pivot from that to something else is is really the the door opening. That's really good. Instead of like holding on, like, you know, for me, um, Dan and I have been joking around off the cuff because we're really getting into this podcast. We've been getting like a, a ton of feedback and we're joking around, like, you know, I'm a musician. I spend all these hours like improving my craft and, you know, working on mixing all the time. And you're, you're a sports writer and, you know, like we do this podcast thing. Wouldn't that be funny if that was the thing that actually took off? Because yeah. we don't care about it as much. <laughs> it's true. It could absolutely happen. It could happen. And, you know, I think, I think you've told me that advice before. I gave you a Psalm. It was a, it was a proverb or a Psalm. Yeah. It talked about investing, invest in many different ways. Cause you never know which one is going to be the one that takes off yeah. or provides a bigger return. You know, that's true. I definitely see that from you, Josh, and from you too, both. Tom and Erica, like, you know, you're working hard at 
Like I know you're great, great musicians working hard at your craft, like, but also like really hard workers in general at your, you know, other jobs that you do, be it plumber, yeah, <laughs> carpenter, uh, mm-hmm. you know, working in the restaurant industry. Yeah. Tom, can I put you on the spot? Yeah. And, ma- and let you be very vulnerable? Sure. So why don't you tell us about touring with Lacey and now taking a full-time job at Chipotle and kind of what that looks like for you, because it is a reality of just because you get on tour with Shinedown or you do this or that doesn't mean your answers, you know what I mean? Right. Everybody thinks like the money's amazing and it's like, they see a tour bus or like, this is awesome. But like the reality is, it's just, you know, I can, I tell people I can make a lot more money if I stayed home and did plumbing than if Mm -hmm. I played music. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But like, I think it's obviously fresh for you because I know it's, it's a hard season for you. Cause your passion is music. Like a Bon Jovi moment sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Um, so yeah, I can do that. Um, I guess going back to kind of, how do I start this? Well, about seven years ago, <laughs> uh, and I'll keep it short. <laughs> Four score and seven years. <laughs> exactly. Um, my life was radically changed by putting uh, God first in my life. Okay. First and foremost. Right on. That is what moved me to Pittsburgh. And that's how I met most of you uh, because Ben and Lee were Christian. We we're starting this band, Big Atlantic. We were rough around the edges, but but the faith, the foundation was there. And it was a step in the right direction because I was in all these other bands and um, it kept crumbling and crashing. And I finally was just like, God, I, I can't, this isn't working. Me just trying to do this on my own. Mm-hmm. So you gave me these talents for a reason. So I'm going to give them to you and, and you know, just what do you want to do with it? You know? And so kind of handing over and laying it down and um, moving to Pittsburgh, starting big Atlantic and that sort of, segueing into playing with Lacey and us touring. I was a store manager at Starbucks and um, I had also met my wife and we had dated and got engaged and got married and had our first son together. I say first, even though we only have one. <laughs> There's more coming. Oh, you're planning. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. And then so leaving Starbucks because the record gets released and we start touring and thinking like, uh, well, not not just thinking, spending a lot of time praying about this and getting wise counsel and really aligning our hearts in our marriage. And it was a family decision because um, Erica was even pregnant at the time that I left our full-time career at Starbucks to go into music ministry full-time in the sense that this was all I was going to do. And then I started Uber driving too <laughs> on like the off season. And I also started doing some plumbing uh, in yeah. the off season too. Um, and so having our baby and everything and, and then realizing that, okay, uh, Lacey's manager had said, we don't know hundred percent how this is all going to play out. Like we're going to book some tours. We're going to hopefully get on some big stuff, hopefully, but maybe that could not happen. And it was really a step of faith. Basically, so, I'm pretty sure he said, quote unquote, don't quit your day job. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. quit your Starbucks. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Basically, and that, and that was said uh, a few years prior to that step. Okay. Um, it was, it was, you know, I think it was a year or two prior to that. Yeah. Like, hey, we have no idea how this thing is going to go. Don't quit your day job. Yeah. And so, but 
things started progressing and building and for obvious reasons, uh, we, we prayed and did what we felt was best and, and decided to do that. And we went on some awesome fun tours and basically Erica and I were able to travel the country to and fro, lived out on the West coast for a while, moved back and we ended up moving to Virginia and the tours weren't really coming in. We did one small, like three week tour, I think. And then there wasn't much on the books and money was starting to run short for us. And I've got a kid and I've got a wife and I'm like, uh, I tried putting a few emails out to like our booking agent, uh, to our manager. Is there anything, you know, up in the, up in the air, I could even go into, uh, I thought about doing merchandising and, uh, but I don't really want to be on the road full time if I can't take my wife and son. And so yeah. I was like torn between these uh, two things and basically realized like, okay, after like uh, a couple shows that we did and I started playing with a couple other bands too for a minute, but quickly realizing that um, I need to get back to working full time again uh, to get some income flowing back in to really provide for my family. And that, cause that's my number one, um, my number one priority is my wife and my son. Yeah. And, um, so the, and, and that to me is success being able to provide for them. Mm-hmm. So whether that's music or work or whatever. And so, yeah, it is hard. Like it was super hard because I love drumming. I've been playing drums since I was three. Yeah. And I, for the longest time, pursued music up until I, I told you all, like, that wasn't working. I laid it down and, and put God first. And God has brought me tremendous places because of that. And, and I'm so thankful and grateful for my relationship with him and what Christ has done in my life. Um, but now going back to work, and I'm a general manager at Chipotle, it is uh, kind of a shocking turn of events going from a lot of uh, odd jobs and playing live shows and doing some studio work to back to working 50 to 60 hours on my feet and managing a kitchen yeah, is such a drastic life change mm-hmm. and is very hard. And it was shocking to my psyche. Yeah. I almost felt depressed for the last two months in my training. I was on the verge of quitting. I was miserable and I was, you know, even telling Erica, like, I feel like I hate my life right now. And it was really hard for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm still coming out of that a little bit, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking through it, though. And I'm praying through it. And I'm journaling. And I know that uh, this isn't the end of my story. There's so much more mm-hmm. that God can do in my life. Uh, you know, going from playing in a bar band to playing arenas and festivals and cruise ships with none of that being anything I did. Yeah. You know, I know God is good in that, and that, um, no matter what happens in the next year, I just, I just know that, that it's all good. Amazing. I think that all the listeners should rewind to what Tom just said and listen to it over again. Cause there's, <laughs> yeah. listen, there's so much wisdom in what he said. Yeah. Everything from the decision to leave his first job. He didn't just do it on a whim. He didn't just do it. Cause he's like, Oh, I like playing drums. He prayed through it. He sought counsel, many different people. He took a year to make that decision, yeah. you know? Yeah, and I think that was really wise. And even like right now, I think what you said, Tom, about, 
you hold the reins loose or actually Ben said this mm-hmm. too, but like you hold the reins loose um, and you make prayerful decisions and you say, God, I have this passion. What do you want to do with it? Because I think what people do is, like Ben said, they hold too tightly. And so you say, God, I have this passion to play music. He's like, okay, I want you to play at church. You're like, well, that's not really what I was thinking, God. Or he's <laughs> like, okay, here's what I want you to do. And you're like, well, that wasn't what I... And we don't find these things out until they actually happen. Right. Because everybody comes up to me and says, I just want to do something for God. But the second they meet any sort of like friction or it's not happening, they get frustrated, myself included. This is my story. Yeah. And I'm like, well... God, this isn't what I was thinking. He's like, well, I thought you said you wanted to do it for me. All of a sudden now you have a really strong opinion about what you, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I think back way back in episode one, I, I mentioned this, that like, um, especially in entertainment industry type things, like you're constantly auditioning, like even when you're not auditioning with people. Uh, what I mean by that is, correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, but you probably, you probably knew that you could trust me as a bass player, like when you saw what we were doing in Big Atlantic, you're like, okay, he's not a slouch. Like they actually spent money. They went down and recorded an album. They seem to be working on stuff like every day, you know, like he's on time to things he's doing, he's doing this kind of thing. Like, you know, whenever I send him a track for my band Kairos, like he actually learned it, he rehearsed it, like he played. And meanwhile, in the background, like you not mentioned to me at all, like, you know, we want you to play on this album or we want you to do this thing or, Hey, we're thinking about Lacey. And so to summarize, that was the auditioning process. Like, you know, it wasn't an official thing. It was like a relationship. You mean? Yeah. Way? Through, through relationship and through just seeing. So I'm, I'm comparing and contrasting that with the person that might say, I'm, you know, I'm not going to take this seriously until I get a serious shot. Oh yeah. No, that's a really good way to put it. I mean, it was just watching you and what you were doing in chemistry, watching what you were doing in Big Atlantic, watching what you're doing with the Cairo stuff. You know, that was like, yeah. So when it came time to make a call, I knew exactly who you were. I think a great example of that is like dating, you know, mm-hmm. you're friends with a, a girl, you know, and you see them when they're happy and they're sad and you see like all the different aspects of this girl. Then you know him for like two years. You can ask him to marry you. You don't, yeah. have, you don't have to date because you know this person. You're like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I asked you to marry me in this band, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it is like a marriage show. Oh my gosh. It really is. <laughs> it is. You know? Hey, we have to acknowledge somebody that just sat, sat down at the table. Uh, tour life is a whole nother... I, <laughs> classic Tom. Yeah, the classic Tom. <laughs> Hi, Lacey. I was just going to say or tour not. life is a whole nother uh, Do you want to come sit over here? Hey, Lace. How are you? Hi, Lacey. Okay, I and think that, you should. I think brownie. you should stop in and at least say hi to the audience. Lacey put the kids to bed tonight. If you guys heard any kids stomping in the background or really good or um, arrow confusing somebody else with his father, or my six-year-old coming and using the bathroom right next to us and singing the whole time in there, <laughs> it's because uh, family life mm-hmm. it happens. Yay! <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, thanks for sitting down and joining us. You look you look a lot better. Are you feeling better? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't think about it. It might make you feel worse. <laughs> that, brown, that brownie right there is helping. Yeah. Chocolate is definitely cure all sometimes. We were just talking about relationships and I guess a lot of people ask advice of how, you know, how do you make it and how you use and that. And so I feel like we talked about a lot of different areas of what to do. Yeah. I think that what you said is like, when I get to this place, that's when I'll really make mm-hmm. it serious. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, I can't remember where it is in the Bible, but like, 
I guess maybe work as though you're working under the Lord would be a scripture yeah. Yeah, that's that like, whatever you're doing, do it well. Mm-hmm. I know Lacey says this a lot. Maybe you can talk about it, but it's like Lacey had what 13 or 19 jobs and every single one of them 22. she did. How many? 22. 22 jobs. Mm-hmm. Did you? I counted them one time at some shower. I don't know. It was like a, I don't know, some game where you had to count all your jobs. But, but all of them, you loved them and you did them really well, didn't you? There was one job I didn't like. What? Do you want to know what it was? Go on. <laughs> Which one was it? I was a janitor at University of Mary Hartland Baylor. What's wrong at night. It was the most depressing job. I don't know. It was just so depressing. It would because be lonely. You'd be by yourself, right? No one was there. Mm-hmm. I was going through was was going through a lot in my life at that time, and I guess it just maybe maybe the combination. Of, I guess to not being around anybody was hard and felt like my boss was never satisfied and I just couldn't win. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> I'm laughing at, I'm thinking of you being a janitor. <laughs> All alone and it's just such a funny thought. It's, it's I'm like, like, these offices are so clean. What am I supposed to do here? <laughs> I, but I think of you as like a Charlie, a female Charlie Brown character with hair just walking through is that just so sad. <laughs> I was very Charlie Brownish. I actually did break down and cry one time in the middle of a very dramatic movie moment of like crying in the middle of this big building in the dark. I hate my job. <laughs> but you did it. You're faithful with it. Tom was just talking about. It's true. Tom was talking about having a passion to do something and holding, holding it loosely. You know what I mean? Mm. And I know yeah. you say all the time, God, I'm, give, I'm giving you my gifts, my talents, my passions, do whatever you want with them, you know, and you always say he chose to bless music. He could have, he could have blessed, you know, childcare or your, your custodial Which I, th- I thought I was much better at childcare than singing. <laughs> you and are which, amazing It's funny kids. now in, in hindsight, you know. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, my story is unique in the sense that, I mean, one of the things I mentioned in the first part of the book is just all the different interests I had, like in the, in, in the first part of the reason when I talk about being suicidal at 16, I, ta- I start out looking at my room and all the different interests I had. I loved theater. I played the bass. Not as good as you at all. Yeah, but you're a great songwriter on bass. I could play a couple Cranberry songs. You know, <laughs> Bush, I knew the whole Bush album. Green Day? <laughs> yeah, Green Day. Whatever. You can play it really fast. I'm really good because I can play this really fast. <laughs> Um, but there were things that I it was interested in my life and even relationships, like I had memory boxes with like my friends' picture, you know, notes and my little brothers and sisters' drawings, you know, all these different things that were important to me. But again, even with all of those things, I came to a place where I didn't want to live anymore. Mm. And, and, and so when I did have this encounter with God that's rescued me from that, I had no plans for my life except to die. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You, you'd given up all the other plans. So yeah. I had empty hands already. Yeah. Like, do I like, should I, do I have, I mean, coming to God and being like, do I need to lay down theater? Well, I kind of was going to do that. What about this relationship? What about this, you know, job? What, what is, mm-hmm. I really think that all the things that I tried to get to make me happy obviously weren't working. Mm. And so I just went to God, like, why do you care about me? And what's the point of all this? 
You yeah. know, you must know about it. Even when I think I know, obviously I don't. So whatever you want to do, yeah, you, you're, I give you permission. Does that even make sense to say that to God? I mean, he's humbled himself to give us freedom so we can say, you're yeah. invited. Yeah. <laughs> How funny. It is you're, funny and ironic. I feel like in a completely different way, when I, when I met you, I was in kind of a similar season to like, like I wasn't, I had moved to a new city and I, I had just moved to Pittsburgh and I didn't, you know, I'd moved there with a friend and she didn't stay. So I was in this new place by myself and I had just come out of a long relationship where I kind of lost who I was. And so I felt this freedom to like, like look around and be like, I can be anybody. I'm in a big city, you know, 2000 miles away from my home alone. Like, who do I want to be? And at the time I didn't have a relationship with the Lord, but I had like this like free feeling. And as I Mm -hmm. came into relationship with different people, like I met you and you, Lacey, and well, I met Tom and then in the end met Lacey and we became friends. And all of a sudden she's like, I need somebody to watch my kid. And I'm like, I love hanging out with your son but I have no childcare experience. <laughs> I'm an only child. I babysat a couple times. I really don't know anything about kids, but you know. You're hired. <laughs> You're perfect. Pretty, pretty much. And that's the interesting thing is that it, it's back to this relationship mm-hmm. idea. We don't, I don't, I don't think we've ever hired anybody in this, since we left Flyleaf, there's not been any business relationships just for business sake ever. And that's why business is just so like random for us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we talked about how Ben we kind of auditioned for the band just by like going rock climbing. Like just by yeah. Josh knowing him and knowing like yeah. how he did life. And, you know, you didn't need to audition him. It was more like, okay, we know you can play. We see how you do life. We trust you and we like you. Mm. And like, you saw me play with your son, you saw how I did life and you were like, you know, I feel some peace about letting you take care of my kid and trusting Mm. that you're going to let me teach you how to do that. Well, sort of. The thing is... Maybe not. Well, (laughs) it's sort of true. You know, there is some pretty surface level logic that would cause me to pray about whether this was good, but... Honestly, I did not, I didn't feel peace about leaving my child anywhere ever. Mm. It was a very big struggle for me. It has to do with the way I I grew up, I guess, and things I'd seen. And not that I wouldn't trust you, but that I would worry about myself. Um, Just being like, it was this judgment I had to let go of. Like, I'm not neglecting my child. I'm not running after something else and making something else more important than this child. It was just like a a thing that I had to get over and it was really hard to do. And every time I left him, I just had to do this thing where I prayed about it and felt like the Lord was speaking about a certain area of my life and, or like whatever it was, 
you need to leave him with your mother-in-law for an hour. And I'm like, help me do this. It's just so (laughs) stupid. Like she's fine, but no matter what it was. And you're very, you know, our relationship has been, has been forced because of your relationship with my kids to Mm -hmm. be very like, Intense because <laughs> you talk personal. about really, you know, every effect you're having on them and they're having on you and mm-hmm. how you do things versus how I do things and why, you know. And so to just walk through that with you, you are so, you're just a brilliant person. You're really perceptive. And, and I learned that after I prayed and felt like it was you. <laughs> I didn't really know that. And so that's the way most of my life has been. Mm-hmm. You know, I I feel like there's something that happens where we feel like God is speaking about something and we just trust in a sort of jump off a cliff kind of way. Yeah. And then we see miracles come, like mm-hmm. the miraculous. Like I wouldn't have hired Erica on her her resume of yeah. children. <laughs> I would have children. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> but I hired her because I... I prayed about it and I really felt like this was the one who should influence my toddler for whatever reason that I may not know. Yeah. Well, I think I, me not having that experience was helpful in the way that obviously I'm still my own person. So it wasn't always totally this way, but I was very malleable, especially Mm -hmm. in the beginning to like, okay, so this is how you want to like, season this egg and this is how you want to change this diaper and this is how you know like I was like how, how do you do this is it? how I want my underwear folded <laughs> this is how I want you to sweep the floor no that was you you were micromanaging the floor sweeping I remember that argument you guys had for like two seconds I don't, don't bring it up <laughs> not now I don't know this argument but don't bring it up but I was I'll just stay in the dark about this okay we need to was, explain to non-PA people what sweeping the floor is Oh yeah. Uh, what? Yeah, the sweeper is a vacuum cleaner. Oh yeah. Uh, just for all you guys. Oh, this was just know. about a broom. A oh, broom, never mind. yeah. It was okay. No, yeah. <laughs> so I made a correct use for yeast. Oh well, we're not PA. Um, I don't think we're PA people. No. <laughs> we used it in the other. Yeah. yeah so okay. you guys heard it different. <laughs> How funny. Well. Oh. Anyway. But, Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. No, that's oh, great. <laughs> in the great city of Pittsburgh. To people, but isn't it weird because I wouldn't counsel somebody to just do what I'm do with my life, although, <laughs> yeah, I share it because sometimes it might be what he's calling them to do, yeah. And at the same time, I always want to give people the out to do the logical thing if that's what they should do. <laughs> <laughs> and I think when you guys, you and Tom, were in a band, I think we sat down and had this conversation, and both of you chose the opposite thing because I was like when we were sitting down talking about your band and where you're at and what what you should do whether you should leave your band or whether you should stay according to what was going on in your life and I was just like well it could be that this is going to help you know relationships in the future or spiritually or whatever your career or whatever it is if you leave but it could be the opposite (laughs) what advice was I giving it could be that you need to push through and do this and whatever and both of you heard the same speech and both of you chose exact opposite things, which I think is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did choose opposite things. But yeah. I don't, what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about when we both left Big Atlantic. Mm-hmm. You, cho- you chose to do what? Well, so I 
I I'm kind sorry. Of, no, it's fine. I'm talking about inside stuff. No, it's fine. No, um, that's good. That's what we've been doing on it. Okay. And uh, it's all on the inside. Like, I, I feel like it really helped having an ear, mm-hmm. if nothing else, just to talk to somebody to get the thoughts out. It's mm-hmm. weird how, like, talking through something helps the thoughts form better in your head. I don't understand yes. that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I made that decision and, and Tom, like his decision was I'm going to stick with this for another year. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to be a year, but, but I felt like when I in an instant prayed about it, I felt like God gave me an immediate answer. And sometimes that happens. And I felt like God told me not, not time for you. It's time for Ben to leave this, but I'm not calling you to leave it yet. I think we've all, we've touched on this in general. I think all of us around the table, does anybody have any, other thoughts or maybe advice for when you face opposition in your life. So we talked about open doors and closed doors and like holding loosely onto things. Uh, and especially with what we ran into with this last Oslo trip, like there was a ton of opposition. Like, how do you know, how do you distinguish between opposition that means mm-hmm. we should shut this down and opposition yeah. that means we need to press through this because we know it's the right thing because sometimes mm-hmm. it can be really hard to tell. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a right great question. It's a good question, Ben. I yeah. think Tom did a great job of answering it already. When I told yeah. everybody, I don't think you're here yet, Lace, but he talked about quitting his job at Starbucks to do this <laughs> and doing that prayerfully. And then, you know, stopping doing this to go back to Chipotle. But like, you know, my answer for that is to be prayerful about it, to seek counsel, not just one person, but a few people, you know, because, this is how Lacey and I make all of our big decisions. We pray about them together. We get a decision and peace together. Peace that is way. really important before you go into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because the initial one. if all no. hell breaks loose, literally or figuratively, like you need to know this was definitely the right decision. If no our bus catches happened. on fire in the tour. <laughs> That's part of the adventure. Cause we know, know we're supposed to be here. Yeah. 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 So having that before, you know, like Tom decided, he knew, like Erica said, that our manager told them, don't quit your day job. We have no idea what this looks like, but yeah. they had peace and they made that decision together yeah. as husband and wife, knowing, you know, the unsurety of it. They got confirmation from the Lord, from other people that they trusted. And so they went into it and there was a lot of hard seasons, you know, for them in that. Mm-hmm. But, but also I, in that we were in a way, it was the most romantic relationship with God that we experienced mm-hmm. together Cool. But also separately. That's cool. like God like romanced us in that season of challenge and difficulty. It was just living and walking on faith. Mm-hmm. And that's what it ends up being. It's like he's setting you up to have this grand adventure of faith, mm-hmm. but it's a but it's all dependent on your response yeah. to are you gonna hang on to what you heard in the beginning? It's just like a marriage. <laughs> yeah. You you have this surety in the beginning, and then when you get to the like there's this there's this line in this lyric, um, in one of the songs. Your love is devoted like a ring of solid gold, like a vow that is tested. Like that mm-hmm. part to me is like, how can you know that your vow is true until it's tested? Yeah, you can't. But yeah. we can make grand speeches in the heat of the moment that we believe with all our heart and we know that it's right. But then there's that moment that asks, do you love them? You know, are you supposed to be here? Is this really what you're supposed to be doing? Do you want to face what you're facing right now? You know, are you sure you're going to overcome? Like 
that's the question that we answer in the beginning. Yeah. And then when the yeah. when the hate comes, we we're we're holding on to that vow that was tested. You know, we're holding on to that ring of solid gold. We're like, whatever happens. Yeah. This is where we're supposed to be. We got that in the beginning. I talked to the Jimmy about this the other day. I was thinking about that too. Oh, really? I, well, even just with what we we're talking about, like I, I think of, I, I was just remembering Jimmy because in the conversation we had on this podcast, because me and him are very similar, I think, in, in a lot of ways when it comes to this kind of a thing. And I also want to bring up like the, the converse to what we're talking about. Like when I was growing up, I used to think, uh, that like I could trick God into giving me what I wanted or mm-hmm. trick life into working the way that I wanted by like, well, if I just commit to something mm-hmm. and just hold on effervescently mm-hmm. that it's, it's going to have to happen because I've committed to it. Mm-hmm. But thankfully God has grace on us and some of those things we shouldn't have committed to in the first place. Yeah. Like, just because you commit to something doesn't mean it's, it's the right thing. So mm-hmm. like you and Josh mentioned that, that piece beforehand about, about getting the the green light to, mm-hmm. hey, this is a good thing. So you're not like committing to things that you should have never committed to in the first yeah, place. So like when you lay your head down at night, you're like, did I act in faith or did I act in fear? Was my motive love, you know, was my motive pure? Mm-hmm. And that's why I wear the black and white stripes. Cause like when your mm-hmm. motive is pure, that's the white then your authority is true. So like, no matter what you face, even if you completely fail, your motive was pure. You know, you had, you were motivated by faith, by love and whatever the outcome was, you know, it's going to be eternally good. Mm -hmm. It's the others that you have to worry about. You know, Um, if you're motivated by fear, if you're motivated by success or what your version of is, or what America's version is, whatever, by financial gain or security in anything other than your faith or your, or love, um, then you do have reason to worry every day mm-hmm. that you got to hang on to it because you're mm-hmm. protecting yourself because you're satisfying yourself. You're supporting yourself. It's all about, it's all about you doing this for your own goals versus, you know, I'm running after eternity and you know, I may die today, but as long as I was running after God, I'll end up in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> I remember distinctly when we were trying to make the decision as to like whether Tom was going to leave Starbucks or not. And he was, or we were all sitting together. And I remember Lacey, I was really pregnant and hormonal. We'll <laughs> put that in there. Lacey was like, well, what? Like, you know, not, she wasn't trying to push us. She was just trying to make us think. I was probably being rude. Whatever. It's okay. (laughs) No, you're being a little insensitive, but I, it was a good word. (laughs) I'm sorry. By the way, I'll say it already again. I, you were like, well, what are you worried about? And I was like, well, I'm worried that we're going to lose our house and we're going to go into debt and we're going to have to move in with my husband's parents <laughs> and everything is going to fall apart they're li- financially. They're by the way. And <laughs> they would agree. <laughs> Love them. Um, but that, you know, I was like, and, that, and we're going to have a baby in all of this. And I was 
thinking I was going to get like a, oh, yeah, I mean, that that would be awful. And what I got was she looked me straight in the eye and says, well, you need to think about this as if that's going to happen and like it. (laughs) You have to go into this saying, God, I am completely 100% okay if that's what happens. And I was just livid. <laughs> I was like, I'm not talking anymore. And, oh, I love uh, it. But then. I think I've had I've had similar moments. Not that strong, but similar with moments. With me, probably. With you, I think. <laughs> I'm working with my dear one. I, I love how it's so true, but in the moment, it's just like, that is so offensive to me. Yeah. <laughs> Sharp and true. Yes. But the thing is, is I always What's amazing, as upsetting as that was in the moment, after going through us leaving Starbucks and having to move out of our apartment and we had a baby and (laughs) going backwards financially and eventually moving in with my husband's parents. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But going through the whole season and... Him and I look back on the adventure that that year and a half was and say... Tom is nodding. <laughs> so With far, a smile. Thank you. <laughs> so far, that this is that was the best year of our life. Aww. God romanced us. We got to... We had a four-month-old. We drove the long... The 10,000-mile journey to... To, from Virginia to Oregon, spent a winter with my family. That in a I, snowmageddon, in right? In a snowmageddon. <laughs> it was intense snow. And then we drove back. We got to see all these national monuments, and we, Tom got to tour. And don't get me wrong, there was a lot of really, really hard days. But coming out the other side, we're like, that was amazing. (laughs) And I would never trade that for an apartment for an extra 14 months. (laughs) So I'm glad I have that offensive statement (laughs) to stand on. Because it's beautifully true. (laughs) What's wrong? Well, Lacey, I'm, I'm thankful that I have you in my life just to have a really honest voice. That's amazing. I don't know. No, that's great. It is. It is. Unfiltered amazing. It's hard to find friends that are both uh, loving and honest. Sometimes you get one or the other. It's hard to find anybody that will keep you when you're that way. Well, it's true. (laughs) Well, if you're all honesty all the time, normally those friendships deteriorate (laughs) 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 or don't happen in the first place. Well, let's just figure out how long we've been friends. Yeah. I'm going to say we're all sitting around the table Almost seven years. It's been about seven years. Because uh, they met you when you were pregnant. When it, with Joshua. With Joshua. Can I talk about the first time I met you, Lace? If you want to. I'm here. You might as well make fun of me while I'm here. <laughs> no, I want to hear your response. <laughs> I like it when you can talk trash in front of the person. I'm not trashing you. <laughs> it's it's okay way. if you want to. I'm just giving you permission. Well, thank you. I'm not going to. But I think it's funny. And I just we grew wanna, up different. I want to hear your like, reaction. Oh, really? Let's see. Yeah. I want to hear your reaction. So... I had met you before this. I met you at church, Josh's parents' old church in Trafford. Okay. But we just met really quickly. The first time like we hung out was whenever you were over. It was when that famous picture was taken of me eating the yogurt and you with the tiny shirt. Um, <laughs> My belly button. Yeah. That was your signature. Signature. Uh, so <laughs> we hung out there like all day. I felt like you guys were there for like six hours. It was a long yeah, time. In the studio. 
Well, I kind of, I think maybe Lee prepped me. He was like, you know, Lacey and Josh are coming over. Don't be weird. (laughs) Don't be weird. Don't ruin this. Which is like, which I'm glad, I'm glad he said, because I maybe could have been weird, but thankfully I wasn't. So I just remember like you were wearing like a huge oversized hoodie and you were crouched like Gollum over over at Lee's computer. Me? I think, yeah. Okay. Because you were reading yeah. all your email. You're I, going through a lot of your email uh-huh. and responding to fans and stuff like that. And you were like so quiet for maybe like an hour at a time. And then you would just make a really loud comment to Josh like, can you believe this fan just said this? And I was like, oh my gosh, you talked. I think I sat on the couch just observing all of this for the whole day. And I was like, what's she going to say next? Oh my god! It's gonna be really cool, and it's gonna be really cool. It's gonna be really cool. But so that was my first interaction with you, and I was like, "She's so mysterious." (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this is my wife. Then I wrote a book called "The Mystery" (laughs) about how that's important as a woman. Mystery to all. I was like, I can't figure her out. She just. It's because she's present. I said that she just always whatever comes in at the moment is what's important to her. Yeah, yeah. I remember the first day <laughs> yeah, I met you. It's true. Ben was making you a smoothie at our house. Oh, thanks, Ben. In the lower half, <laughs> you were pregnant with Joshua. I was really into smoothies at the time. Yeah, and I was. I was <laughs> I've always been. I was putting together all my stuff. I don't even know where I was going. I was getting ready to leave the house. Oh, was at your house? Yes, I remember this Go too. Back Mountain. And uh, you're so shiny. I was like just getting ready, and Ben's like, Hey, I want to introduce you to someone. This is Lacey, uh, Lacey Sturman. I'm like, Hey, I'm Tom Gaskin. How are you? You're like, I'm good. Are you a Christian? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I said. (laughs) And I was like, Uh, yeah, yeah. Awesome. When did you get saved? (laughs) (laughs) I I remember being like, I don't know. <laughs> right now? I, uh, I'm leaving. Where are we going to I, I, um, I think I was, I was raised saved. <laughs> <laughs> I was born saved. And, but, I was but born it's good that you asked me that saved. though. Because I actually pondered on that for like the following year or something. And like really came weird. to discover my salvation. It was really good. Actually, I think I discovered I wasn't saved, and then I got born again in I don't, Pittsburgh. Half the things people tell me I say, I don't remember saying them, and they always sound ridiculous. And then they say there it was important for some reason, it and was. I don't even remember those moments. Like yeah. the things I think about that I said, they don't get brought up, and I'm like, why did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> and they don't get brought up. I, there's still things I have to get. Well, God wanted me to think about. <laughs> My faith a little more like, hey, do you know me? <laughs> but you were like, so shiny, like so <laughs> joyful. You shiny. know, sometimes you just look at somebody and you're like, I think we know the same guy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I had that same reaction when I met Tom because yeah, like it. we listened to the whole album, the Time and Distance album when mm-hmm. I first met you. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I think I said to you, I feel like we've known each other for like a lot longer than just meeting yeah. you right here. I remember being like, I feel like you're my brother. Yeah. It was, I've not had that with too many people in my Yeah, life. no, me either. Which and you guys have like, the same weirdness about knowing things too. I don't know. You, you do. What do you mean by that? I mean, you just know things. You guys are, you just know certain things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think we were twins separated at birth. Hmm? I think we were twins separated at birth. Yeah, I think so too. Mm-hmm. Friend for life. <laughs> but, um, slap that fist maybe, bump. Maybe we can 
as much as I'd love to keep going. I think we could go probably for five hours. I'm sorry. Has it been 45 minutes already? I made it longer. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's good. No, it's fine. I'm glad that you joined in. Um, Maybe we can end with how you and Josh met. Oh, Oh, gosh. That's another 45 minutes. Okay. Well, I do remember that. I was playing an awesome guitar solo with my shirt off. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Just got my belly button pierced. Lacey was in the front row and saw me, and the rest is history. Were you belly dancing while you were playing that solo? No, I looked like that guy. What's it from uh, School He's of Rock? He's making this up. What's his name? This Dwight? is a cartoon no. in his head that's going on. The guy in School on. of Rock where he has a stupid black leather shirt. Oh, Spider. Spider. Oh, yeah. Oh, that scene is so uncomfortable. And he's so gross, gross in that outfit. Yes. I do think we should save this for another time. The short story is that we but, played a show together. Kairos, my band Kairos. Well, that means we have to have you on again. That's okay. We'll do it again. <laughs> Just trap me in my house, Ben. <laughs> It'll work. Um, the short story, because it is a really good story, but it's just too long, is that um, Wrote a book about it. My, my band Kairos sure. opened up for Flyleaf at Mr. Small's Theater, which is a venue here in Pittsburgh. And uh, that was sort of how I met Flyleaf. Um and then through that, I actually became friends with her guitar player and her tour manager because I was more interested in gear. I wasn't really a fan of Flyleaf. I didn't, I didn't really like girl singers. She knows this already. Mm-hmm. Um, but, That's uh, sexy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I didn't want to date a Flyleaf fan. Yeah, I wasn't, totally wasn't a fan. <laughs> I wasn't a fan. We talked about this earlier, but I wasn't a fan, so it was cool. But hit their guitar player. I was like, oh my God, he's such a great guitar player. I want to talk to him about amplifiers and tubes and effects pedals and Smear. stuff like that. So over the next like three years, me and Samir and Scotty, their tour manager would like, if they came in town or nearby, I'd go visit and hang out with them. Well, like it was three years later, I think that I was hanging out with them. And then Lacey kind of came over and joined the conversation. We started talking about tattoos and Pantera and blackened by Metallica and Jesus. And I just thought, and Jesus. And I thought she was (laughs) pretty awesome. Right off the bat, it was just really great things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the, literally the beginning of our relationship um, was that. But there was a time before that, whenever you were at Family Values and you had your present, your your past girlfriend sitting on your lap mm-hmm. while we were doing a meet and greet. Yeah. And I was shaking hands and then I locked eyes with you. <laughs> just like Tom and Ben said earlier. And we were like, it was like, I knew you're in my future, but I. She stared into my soul is what it was. <laughs> and literally it was jarring to me. <laughs> I didn't see any girl on your lap, by the way. I know you Whoa. said that she was there. But She's I probably looking at somebody else, but I don't know something. God spoke to me while I had my girlfriend on my lap. <laughs> Lacey's was staring at me or something. Maybe no, definitely. Just... I was staring at you. I would have okay. noticed you like, I don't know. Yeah, well. But anyway, we like all these people came through the line and I didn't even acknowledge them. And I just kept staring at Josh. <laughs> and he's like, why is she doing this to me? Did you she know? just sign Scotty's name? No, but that's, but it's funny because it sounded like you guys' mm-hmm. story, <laughs> you and Tom. Well, we are, we're, we're band soulmates. Yeah, we are. So our band yeah. like knew the future, but we're weird like that. We just know things. Yeah, we know things. That's why we're in a band together. That's why I went to Norway yeah. or wherever we went on tour with OTEP. <laughs> yeah. That's lots why. Of, cause lots of and can I talk about my favorite um, meet and greet story? It's really quick. Okay. So we were at, we were at uh, Rock the Range. Okay. And I think I was joking around with Walker and Stevie. Okay. And <laughs> that was a great. It was a really fun show and yeah. meet and greet was fun. And 
I think you said, Ben, you should sit down, like meet these people, you know, that are coming through. And <laughs> so this, this guy's coming through and he's shaking your head. He's like, so jazzed to meet you. I can't believe I used that. He's so jazzed to meet you. And, <laughs> and uh, like, you're like, oh, that's cool. Hey, this is our bass player, Ben. Like, you know, he was on stage with us and he just looks at me. He's like, oh, cool. <laughs> like he goes back to talking to you. <laughs> I think you might've said too, like, do you, do you, do you want his want, autograph? Do you want his autograph or something? And like, he looked no, at thanks. me and he's just like, oh, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> I know I that it. happens. It's I don't so know. Funny. You never know what people are going to be excited about. They're I, so I love true. it. I think people it's People are so strange. You never know about people. I know. So weird. I'm just laughing about the meet and greet that we were at most recently. <laughs> I loved it. I knew it was coming too. How I told many times Tom, did people go, Where's your band? I want to take a picture with them. One like, out of every 50. They don't come. That's how I many. Don't know. That's why we don't do it. Right. I, I made Tom do a meet and greet with Lacey not that long ago, and I loved seeing the progression. I posted it on my Instagram story. But the progression was progression. him and Lacey next to each other, and, and these like three people talking only to Lacey while Tom was twiddling his thumbs. <laughs> the next person came in line. Tom's standing about two feet away from Lacey while they're all talking to her. The next one, he's like completely standing like 10 feet away, like had given up. All right, nobody wants to talk to me. <laughs> the next one, I was sitting on the chair next uh, yeah, to Josh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's weird. okay, honey. We named our band Lacey Sturm. It's to be expected. It is. It is. Well, that was not, I was not. It was my idea, okay? Yeah. It was my idea, and I think it was a great decision. It was. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it worked out in the end because we got that whole accolade with the billboard chart because of it being a solo project, even yeah. though it's not so. I don't think any solo project actually is a solo project. I mean, we maybe billboard history, guys. Look, yeah. Moby, Moby maybe solo. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oh, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. Is that right? Like, Seriously, for a solo project, like what does that actually mean? Well, there's no, f there's no female fronted solo artists. I know. Well, except but, for you, my dear. Well, there are, but you Who? know, name one. I don't know. Oh, exactly. Wait a minute. There has to be other ones because that well, like, can't Orianthi. be the reason why she won. Oh yeah, Orianthi. <laughs> True. Alana. That's like me saying <laughs> consolation prize or. <laughs> oh no! What? I That's like me saying I'm first in my class, like every year of high school. <laughs> How yeah. big was your class been? A class of one. No. Class cool. of one. <laughs> uh, we need to create a category here. <laughs> I didn't understand what you were saying. <laughs> That's <was> pretty clever. <laughs> Top student. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so glad you guys let a homeschooler play in your band. Oh my gosh. You're <laughs> the too. coolest guy. Well, thanks. I think it's really good to have like to have like relationship with somebody who's on the other side of homeschooling while I'm homeschooling. Mm -hmm. I'd love if my kids grew up to be like you, you well, know? Thank you. <laughs> I think you're, I think that's a good thing. You know, people are always talking about it being socially, you know, weird, but I just think that it's the few that I've seen. Well, you know why I'm the way that I was is because all the other weirdos in the homeschool group is I'm not going to grow up to be like them. <laughs> well, anyway, oh, it's cool. Kidding. I think you're great. I mean, obviously, I think you're great. Like the way that you encourage people, the way that you listen, the way that you get 
look at things from other people's perspective. I think that's so strange because you'd think you'd get that from a public education, but you don't. Mm. You get the opposite because you get in the cliques or you get jaded from the people who are mean to you or, you know. But I don't know what it was about your, you know, upbringing that made you that way, but you really seem to be able to consider other people's perspectives and listen. And that's just so precious. Like you don't meet people that do that. Yeah, well... (laughs) Well, thanks for saying that. Um, I think one thing specifically that stands out to me about that, not not to get into a whole other topic, but I think it's important to mention that I never, like, I never had like a close friend that I kept for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. One, because I was homeschooled, so I never got in the cliques, but mm-hmm. also like even in college and out of college, like my friend groups have just changed drastically. Mm-hmm. So it's always been on my mind, like I have to put myself out there to make friends. Like I have to constantly be making new friends. So I wonder if that shaped a little bit of like just looking outside myself a little bit more. Like I could never get completely comfortable mm-hmm. with the people that were around me. So oh, yeah. Wow. It's like opposite of what you would, like you were saying, it's opposite of what you think. Like the, the biggest rip that you hear against homeschooling is mm-hmm. you don't want your kids to be socially awkward. Yes. <laughs> but, um, it, it winds up not very often being that way. Mm-hmm. So anyways. Well, I appreciate knowing you. <laughs> oh, I appreciate you. I appreciate so knowing all of you guys. Oh, we're such good friends. I love y'all, y'all. Weird little family we have. That's been fun, guys. I think this is a good time to call it wraps. All right. Thank you all for being on. Let's do this again sometime. Yay. Thank you, Ben. Thank You're you, welcome. Ben. Well, thank you listeners. It's been a long one, (laughs) but I hope, I mean, there's been a lot of great stuff in this episode and, you know, just go back, rewind, listen. A lot of the things that Tom said was really awesome too. So thanks for being on the show, man. I know you live really far away now. So this is a real big treat for me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, guys. So hope you have a great week. Uh, Whatever you guys are doing, we just hope that we've encouraged you to dream loud. Have a good one. (laughs) Woo-hoo-hoo! <laughs>